And welcome to another edition of Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. We are your retro talk program for nostalgia and baby boomer stuff. I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And I'm George. Today we look back at the grave sites of the stars. Well, welcome to another edition of Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. We're very, very happy to have you with us. We have a topic that we hope you, that you'll find interesting. We certainly do. It's a common topic that the three of us have talked about before. We wanted to share it with you. We're going to talk about some of the famous grave sites that are mostly in the Los Angeles, Hollywood area, but certainly not limited to that, where many of our best-remembered, best-loved celebrities Movie stars, TV stars, personalities of the past, these uh, cemeteries were, that are their final resting places. And before you uh, stop and turn us off or think, oh, this is going to be a morbid topic, it's not. It's really something that, that we wanted to share with you because it really does have a lot of meaning and significance for those of us who remember a lot of these great stars of the past. Our good friend George Halalakos is back with us. And George, I'm going to turn it over to you for a few minutes here and talk to us a little bit just sort of about maybe what a visit to a, a grave site of a famous celebrity or celebrities or visiting a cemetery where we're going to visit the grave sites of some of our favorite performers of the past, maybe some of the significance of that. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, first, we can begin with the premise that such visitations are not morbid, but rather it is a unique opportunity to show one's appreciation, indeed one's love for those who may have touched your life, uh, but you never had the chance to do so uh, in expressing your thanks to them in person. And in addition to that, there are the collateral benefits that it's a wonderful and unique way to learn about history, about biography, and what you do in, in pursuing this is that you'll find that there are a number of unique grave sites that we're all going to be talking about here that enable us to make that direct connection with the past. And one thing that also comes out of this is that as a practical matter, uh, there are a number of very beautiful memorial parks that lend themselves to picturesque settings, uh, museum and artistic pieces, and indeed, places that are often the sites uh, for events that are uh, regarded of a happier nature, weddings. And so I look at this as something where one can show love and respect. Absolutely, George. And I, as you and as Mike, have traveled to some of these cemeteries, these memorial parks, in my case, particularly in the Los Angeles and the Hollywood uh, era. And I want to add, not only... Uh, is it a chance to visit the resting place of someone who we never got to meet in person? But in my case, certainly stars of the past that I am familiar with their work, have admired their work, but certainly passed away long before I was born. and uh, Or maybe they passed away when I was very little and would never have had a chance to have met them. It sort of, for me, uh, has been a chance to go there and pay tribute and visit their final resting place. And you do feel a connection with them. And perhaps uh, you look at their marker, at their gravestone, at their monument, and you think, wow, what wonderful joy and entertainment this person brought to me and to others. And it's just sort of a neat way to pay tribute. 
Very much so. I had the interesting, if not good fortune, that my mother went to school with Tyrone Powers' brother-in-law, Edward Christian, uh, in Mexico City. And as you know, Tyrone Power had been married to Linda Christian. And it turned out that following that time that they were in school together, my parents were next-door neighbors to uh, Edward Christian. And when Tyrone Power passed away uh, in 1958, that our family was given some uh, personal items uh, that belonged to him. And for me, growing up, I have seen all the Tyrone Power films, but I wasn't able to make necessarily the direct connection. I know my mother liked him. I came to like him. And then when I had the opportunity to go to Hollywood Forever Cemetery, where Mr. Power is interred, and you see his beautiful monument by the lake there, you make that connection. I'm saying, wow, you're the person and we, you know, wh- whose possessions we have. Your brother-in-law went to school with my mom. Exactly. And suddenly you feel uh, a more personal connection and tie. And it's a very beautiful experience. There's it nothing is. morbid at all about it. It's almost like going to visit a member of the family who's passed away, a loved one, someone that we admire, someone who's, whose work we admire, mm. someone who's been a part of our lives. Who has inspired us. Who's inspired us, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I have my favorite L.A. Cemetery, and that's Forest Lawn Glendale. I lived in Eagle Rock, and you know, there's so much more there in LA and the cemeteries than just a place to bury dead people. There, people picnic there. They they practice their photography. They there's weddings there, George, as as we were talking about, and there's just so much charm where you think, well, you know, not only is this where Marilyn Monroe is, but this is where I took my first date. <laughs> I know I wasn't like the Adams family, but I'm saying it, there's a certain charm, and and we do, we do honor our dead heroes and celebrities in different ways. It can be either by visiting every anniversary of of the death, or going up, or, or living in L.A. Let me tell you, I had people, relatives visiting from all over the country and sometimes the world. First thing they wanted to do, we want to go see where Marilyn Monroe is buried. Yes, that, that's almost. Like getting a request to go to Disneyland. And what's amazing about it, when I was visiting my family in Greece, in Athens, that they still had, 25 years later, (laughs) literature from their visit to Forest Lawn Glendale. (laughs) And what they had was, of course, all of the artistic pieces that are there. As you noted, uh, the church, the Wee Kirk of the Heather. Uh, Their visit to the Forest Lawn in Hollywood Hills which has the replica of the Old North Church, yes. the Church of the Hills. And so they see this and the beautiful murals about the founding of America. And the statuary. And the statues yes. of our Lord and other events in the history of the Christian Church. So many beautiful uh, artistic achievements that it is a, a place of destination and you find that as part of the benefit, yes, you can see where some of the famous stars that you saw on the widescreen are there. And it's an opportunity for you to pay tribute to them. Well, what is it, Hollywood Forever, where they now show summer movies on the lawn, on the green? I believe they were. Did you, see, did you read that? I did. Yeah. What, it, that's an interesting story. That mm-hmm. uh, memorial park actually was noted originally as being Hollywood Memorial Cemetery. Right. And regrettably, it fell into a state of disrepair. And then what ended up happening was it was acquired by a new owner uh, at the end of the 90s, early 2000s, I believe. 
And this person who has the same view that all of us share totally upgraded and refurbished it and they have organized tours, they have brochures, they have these events that you just noted, Mike, and it's really seen uh, a renaissance and it's so much better kept now. What's interesting about it though is that Hollywood Forever, which is its new name, provides a striking contrast to Forest Lawn Glendale. And this is not to be deprecating about Forest Lawn Glendale. It's a very beautiful memorial park, wonderful sites, but one of the interesting things about Holly, about Forest Lawn Glendale is that there are a number of movie stars that are interred there, but it's not open to the public, and it's done to honor the privacy of the family. So, for example, Elizabeth Taylor, Michael Jackson, Sam Cooke, Humphrey Bogart, just to name a few, Alan Ladd, Gracie Allen. They are all in certain sections of the cemetery, either in the mausoleum or in private gardens, that are only accessible to family members that have a key or to officials of the cemetery that will usher them in, provided they provide the appropriate identification. So with regards to Forest Lawn Glendale, there is a sort of a, of a mystery about it. And so what we are now left to do uh, for those that are not able to go on a physical journey we can do so virtual, which is there's a fantastic website called findagrave.com that allows you to visit a place like Forest Lawn Glendale and see some of the things that are not accessible in person. That's right, George. And I remember going to Forest Lawn Glendale and attempting to see some of the resting places of a few of the stars that, that we wanted to see and not being able to access them because they were either roped off, closed off, locked, or uh, you were being watched. And I guess it's a, sort of a sad uh, commentary. I guess there are some people that go there and uh, in their own right, I guess, trying to, in their own way, show some kind of tribute, but they perhaps may be unruly or un, um, you know, not reverent, uh, you know, maybe perhaps snapping a bunch of pictures, doing things that the management would probably frown upon. Yeah. Not only that, but I would also tell members of our listening uh, audience that if you ever visit uh, the forest lawn sites, make sure that you do not have on your person the books or uh, with the instructions and the oh, guide yes. uh, locations as to how to find the grave sites. They will be confiscated. So you have to make sure that you approach this in a very respectful manner and to honor the rules of engagement for each of the memorial parks. You know, it's interesting, you mentioned, Gilbert, about Clark Gable. One of the things that I noted in my research and my visits is that when you think of Clark Gable, who, of course, is interred next to his wife, Carol Lombard, yes. from that same era, you think, of course, of the king and queen of Hollywood. Mm. So much has been written about them. And yet, those two grave sites, which are located in the Great Mausoleum, are so lonely. The plaques have actually... Um, been darkened with age. No yeah. one has really done anything to upgrade or care for them. There's no flowers left for them. So it's kind of interesting that two very famous people that we associate with legendary status that um, it seems almost lonely and forgotten mm. when you go to those sites. And in fact, perhaps it's because a consequence of this benefit or, I mean, the fact that they want to honor the privacy of others. Yes, and I have seen Clark Gable's uh, gravesite, and he is indeed next to Carol Lombard, and it is 
it's difficult to uh, access them because, again, uh, the management of Forest Lawn is very, very protective. And not everybody can go there, and I think that's one reason, perhaps, that, again, as you said, George, they are in the Great Mausoleum, but where they are interred seems to be a very lonely area, as opposed to, say, someone like Marilyn Monroe, who is very accessible. I've been to her final resting place. She is in the Westwood Memorial Cemetery, which is a tiny, tiny cemetery. Mike, you and I have talked about that. It's a... or it has skyscrapers clustered all around it. It's a tiny cemetery. Marilyn Monroe's marker has lip prints, and you can tell where people put their hands, and hers is in a lot of contact with the public. In fact, it is the most visited gravesite in all of uh, the Los Angeles area. And, of course, uh, for many, many years, roses were always there because they were sent by Joe DiMaggio, yes. uh, the Hall of Fame baseball player. And, of course, interesting, since Mr. DiMaggio has passed away now more than 10 years, fans now take the roses to Marilyn's gravesite. So there's always flowers there because Mr. DiMaggio is no longer, you know, able to do so. And it's interesting about that little uh, cemetery. There's another famous star there. Actually, there's many, but uh, it's been getting more notoriety in the news because the case has now been reopened. Natalie Wood. Yes. Yes. Natalie Wood yes. Uh, is is interred there, and her gravesite gets a lot of visitors because everyone notes that in fact uh, there's a very prominent Orthodox Christian style cross uh, inscribed on uh, her headstone, and this is something that uh, a lot of people are not aware of that that was an important part of of her life was her Orthodox mm. Christian faith. So Absolutely. now people that go to Westwood. They're able to see that. Absolutely. And Westwood, again, as we were saying, is a, is a tiny little cemetery. I've, I've been there. Mike, you've been there, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's just it's in the middle of all these skyscrapers. You wouldn't expect to see it there. It's a fraction of the size of the forest lawns. Um, forest you, you do have some of the more popular sites. You mentioned Clark Gable and Carol Lombard. Yes. On the other side of that spectrum, you have popular sites which are visited every day. I I went to school with a girl. Hello, Vicki Callahan, if you're out there. Vicki Callahan, I believe, was the the second or third lady in black at the Rudolph Valentino ah. Memorial at the Crypt. And every year on his birthday, she would dress up in black. There was a lady in black, I believe, in the 40s or 50s who would Correct. come every day. They think she passed away every every year, not every day, every year on his birthday. Or the, I guess the date he died or his birthday, she would come with flowers and sit there and, and mourn and sit outside the the crypt and Vicki Callahan became I believe the third lady in black and they made the news they were actually notables in themselves but there were people who were who would uh, you used to be able to get in to see Marilyn Monroe's crypt I remember back in in the 70s we'd go up there and uh, that's before vandalism and graffiti and people who did some of the more bizarre things at cemeteries that we don't like to talk about but you could go right in there where Marilyn Monroe was interred and I, sit there for a while. Yeah, I recall even in the uh, in the nineties going yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And, and as I said, her her marker just has all kinds of lip prints and fingerprints and <laughs> and of course Marilyn Monroe being a popular icon along with James Dean yeah, James has Dean. a very loyal following even to this day. What's interesting about that Westwood Memorial Cemetery is that you will also find there perhaps the most interesting epitaph among the movie stars uh, Richard Conte who was very well known for not only his film 
roles, but also in radio as well. And on Richard Conte's uh, gravesite, there is a question mark that follows the year of his passing. There are several references to the spiritual realm. There are pyramids in the corners. Mm -hmm. And so it's been regarded as perhaps one of the most unusual grave sites. Uh, And it's right not far, a few feet away from where Natalie Wood is. Some of the the monuments, the markers, are unique. We've seen all kinds of them from ones that are just very, very simple, ones that are... uh, Right on mm. the on the lawn to some huge monuments. I guess the biggest one that comes to mind for me is Al Jolson, who has a, uh, a beautiful uh, with a George sort of like a Grecian uh, columns, Grecian columns and yes. a waterfall that goes down the entire hillside. That's Hillside Memorial Hillside Park, Memorial, yes. which is uh, not far from Los Angeles International Airport, and it's actually visible from the freeway. Yes, as I was calling from the 405. Is from it? the 405. Yes. And as you're going up the 405, you can see it at night as well as during the day because it's lit up. It's a striking memorial. It's and I've, huge. And I've been there and uh, have actually walked inside the place where he is interred. And there's also, as I recall, a little a little statue of him on his knee from the from the movie the uh, Jazz Singer, the jazz singer yeah. off to one side, which is really really interesting. But it's a beautiful beautiful side. Well, I think we need to understand too in the golden age and uh, celebrities, even politicians, all through life. That was almost when somebody died, how their memorial was structured was a testament to their taste, to their um, their, their level in the in the money making system, to their fame, to their fortune. And there were some just tremendous tremendous pieces of architecture, especially in the L.A. area cemeteries. George, you know, uh, the Great Mausoleum, a lot of these were designed after ancient Greek structure. And there was no question, no problem with the amount of money that could be put into one. You, we talked about Liberace and Betty Davis and some of the structures. These these were testaments. Uh, you can imagine people dying and saying, okay, I'm going to die, or when I die, I want this because I want people to remember me. I don't know if they remember the person as much as they remember the monument that was built to house the person. It's amazing. When you go to Hollywood forever, this is particularly evident, uh, there is an Olympic-sized emerald-shaped pool where Douglas Fairbanks Sr. and Jr. are now interred. And it is absolutely gigantic. It's not far from where Tyrone Power and Rudolph Valentino are interred. Uh, Mr. Valentino is interred, of course, inside the mausoleum, but Tyrone Power is right next to the lake, and his monument, it looks like a bookshelf, and it has the words of Shakespeare placed upon it. I've seen that. It's really, really amazing to see all that. We're going to pause for our first retro commercial. We've got a lot more to talk to you about on this topic, visiting the grave sites of the stars. We're going to pause right now for our retro commercial, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. In every Chevrolet showroom across America, more and more people are looking at the car that's just out and just wonderful, the 1957 Chevrolet. Some are looking at Chevrolet's daring new front-end styling, the bold new grille big, beautiful, sloping hood. Some are looking at Chevy's handsome new rear end with high fashion fenders and fresh new design. Everyone's enthused about the new color-fashioned interiors and the sleek command post instrument panel. And the biggest news of all, Chevrolet's fuel injection, the greatest engine advance since the overhead valve. Plus, 
Four famous drives topped by new exclusive turbo glide that brings you triple turbine takeoff and a new flowing kind of going. So visit your Chevrolet dealers soon. See the car that goes them all one better. Number one in the USA, the 57 Chevrolet. With a handsome rear end, no doubt, the 57 Chevrolet. I never looked at the back of a 57 <laughs> Chevrolet as a car with a handsome rear end. I was commenting during that commercial. You folks didn't hear it, but I, I commented to both George and Mike that I did a sort of a double take when I heard that one when that commercial came down. Powerful <laughs> fuel injection. I don't know. I, I'm never going to be able to look at a 57 <laughs> Chevy again the same way. Better send that one out for a rewrite. Uh, maybe, yeah. But welcome back to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. The subject is death and the artwork involved with checking out in the cases of many celebrities, politicians, notables, and we're specifically talking about some of the uh, cemeteries in the Los Angeles West Coast area, and our good friend George Halalakis is here to help guide us on the tour of the celebrities and uh, how we can remember them when we go tour the cemeteries of L.A., if that's what you like doing. I used to like doing that when I lived in L.A. I don't make a special trip up there anymore because a lot of the rules have changed. You can't get in to see the good stuff anymore. But uh, George has been uh, enlightening us on some of the the better uh, memorial structures and some of the people and where they're at. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the places off the beaten path where people now reside. I would tell you that still sticking with the Southern California theme for just a moment... Uh, you can take a drive maybe hour and a half, two hours north of Los Angeles and go up to Santa Barbara. And if you go to the Santa Barbara Cemetery, which overlooks the Pacific Ocean, you have the opportunity to see the gravesite for Ronald Coleman, who, of course, was the star of so many wonderful adventure films, Tale of Two Cities and Lost Horizon, to name but two. And his gravesite is so impressive because not only does it provide a striking view of the Pacific Ocean at sunset time, but there is a beautiful epitaph in which it's quoted from Shakespeare saying, We are such stuff as dreams are made of, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. And it's engraved with a stage curtain as the background of this upright headstone that was selected by his wife, Benita Coleman who, by the way, is not interred at Santa Barbara Cemetery, but actually is interred uh, in her native country of the United Kingdom. So that's a way off the beaten track. But that's a great place to go, because when you go to Santa Barbara, they will actually take you there. I went to the office, and they were very happy to take me up you know, on break and say, oh, I'd like to come up here and relax myself. You'll also find, by the way, the gravesite for the original Manchurian candidate, Lawrence Harvey, and his daughter, Dominique Harvey, who passed away uh, during the 2000s, she, of course, had a very interesting life. She was reputed to be uh, working as a bounty hunter and involved with the Central Intelligence Agency, and she passed away under very mysterious circumstances. She's interred right next to her father at that very same cemetery where Ronald Coleman is. So, that's kind of interesting when you talk about going off the beaten path. Sticking with Southern California for a moment, there's another uh, couple places that are off the beaten path. One would be uh, at the far end of the San Fernando Valley. Uh, Oak Hill Cemetery, you will find Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, although they're not next to each other. They're at the same cemetery on opposite ends. You'll also find Stephen Boyd, 
who of course was known for being Charlton Heston's arch enemy, Masala, in the uh-huh. Academy Award winning film Ben-Hur. Yes. And then of course, if you go towards the Silmar area, there's the Glen Haven Memorial Park. And you'll find Jeffrey Hunter, who of course was the star of King of Kings and the first captain of the Starship Enterprise uh, for the original Star Trek pilot. He's, of course, interred next to his wife, Emily McLaughlin, who was a star for many years on General Hospital. And I believe at that same memorial park, you'll find the famed dancer Vera Ellen. So there are some really neat places that are off the beaten path, and you can kind of make a day of it uh, going up to visit these picturesque uh, places uh, and, and, and see some unusual, unusual and very memorable spots. Well, you know, George, when I... Uh when I first uh, was told that you were going to do this story, I started looking online, and there's an incredible amount of resource available on the Internet. Where are they buried? Where are the stars buried? Uh, where they're at now? How they died? Not only how they died, when they died, and where they died, but where they're buried. And I, I, I would say there's probably close to a 1,000 websites that has to do directly with notables and celebrities. When they died... Uh, where they were, what they were doing, <laughs> mowing the lawn or just sitting on the patio, and where they ended up. Do you ever check out any of these for research? These I sites? do, I do, and I was, and I found, for example, one that really surprised me. I'm, I'm a great fan of Sam Cooke, wonderful singer from the 1950s and 60s, and of course, Mr. Cooke hailed from the Chicago area. He, of course, was living in Los Angeles when he died uh, very tragically in a, in a shooting. And what ended up happening was he was taken back to Chicago for memorial service and then brought back to Los Angeles and interred in this private garden at Forest Lawn Glendale, which, of course, is closed to the public. So it's interesting about Mr. Cook, who died under very mysterious, if not tragic circumstances, whisked away back and forth and then, of course, placed in a secret, not a, not so secret, but uh, a place that does uh, not have public access. Another interesting thing in in looking at such places is that you also find out places that have the famous epitaphs that we were talking about earlier uh, that I alluded to with Richard Conti. And that's been very useful for my research. If we go back to Hollywood Forever, uh, you remember Joan Hackett. She has a very funny one that says, go away, I'm asleep. And I think at the same cemetery is Mel Blanc. And his epitaph is? That's all, folks. How did they write the stuttering? How did they write the stuttering on all that? I think you had to add that one yourself. (laughs) Uh, How many people have had their pictures taken in front of that? You know, a lot of these guys played it straight. It's sad, of course, a dearly departed, but some of those are just outrageously funny, some of those epitaphs. And, George, you know a few of them. We discussed a few before the show, but uh, some of these people had a sense of humor, even... Even in death. Very yes. much so. Oh, yes. I rem- I, and it's interesting that a lot of them recognize where their stardom truly was linked to. Uh-huh. For example, let's go back to Forest Lawn in Hollywood Hills, which is open to the public. Right near uh, a family member, we found that Lee Van Cleef, the famous gunfighter from the spaghetti westerns of the 1960s, particularly known for his role in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly opposite Clint Eastwood, on his memorial stone, it proudly proclaims, best of the bad. 
<laughs> How about even Billy Wilder? His was I'm a writer, but then nobody's perfect. Well, one of one of my favorite uh, personalities, Ernie Kovacs. He is interred at Forest Lawn Hollywood Hills, and his grave marker reads nothing in moderation. <laughs> wow. Oh, very good. That's and, amazing. And, well, you know, I think Hollywood's going to make a buck. You know, we talk about this is kind of a story about the cemeteries and the markers and the epitaphs and the monuments, but there are some really weird things going on in Hollywood as far as the death tours, the ma the magical death tours. Yes. Grave lines. The, the tours, grave lines. Do you know anything about those, George, share with the listeners? we got listeners who are in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, if you're in Iowa, you're probably not relating to what we're telling you, but we're going to explain it to you. There are actually tour buses and shuttle buses that will take you around to the to the site of the Manson murders. They will not only take the Black you, Dahlia. They'll not only take you to the site of the murders, but they'll also include that a visit to some of these uh, grave sites that are open to the public, like Hollywood Forever, that welcomes that. And there are people there that will... Uh, actually take you to that and again it's an opportunity to learn about old Hollywood you go to Hollywood forever for example you'll find out that Rudolph Valentino who passed away in 1926 is, is still visited by almost as many people as Marilyn Monroe because he's embodies that era of silent film interestingly enough about Mr. Valentino he is interred right next to his agent June Mathis who ended up passing away uh, just one year after he did, and across and right across from Mr. Valentino is Peter Finch, who was the Academy Award winner for Network. Yes. Interesting is that he was a first buried in an unmarked grave not far from Tyrone Power, but then was later moved into the uh, Great Mausoleum across from Mr. Valentino. And there certainly are some grave sites, George, that are unmarked. Yes. And one that was absolutely stunning for me, sticking with that same era of the silent film and Mr. Valentino, a contemporary of his and a contemporary of Douglas Fairbanks, was, of course, the great Lon Chaney, who was known as the man of a thousand faces. If you go to the forest lawn in Glendale, in the great mausoleum, and I was there also to visit a family member long ago, you will note that the tomb for Lon Chaney, Man of a Thousand Faces, it's unmarked. How ironic is that? Very ironic. Someone who's known for having played so many different roles, over a thousand, and yet there is no visible imprint to even lend credence to the fact that he was ever here. Yeah. It's only across the film screen and in, in the you know in the whispers of your mind. That, that is ironic, and uh, I wonder. You know, one wonders was that a his wish, a family wish, you know, we don't know, you know, but it's just interesting to kind of ponder that, you know, we what, don't know. what the reasoning uh, behind that was. George, you know, you had mentioned earlier uh, Find a Grave, which is a great website. There's another one that I visit, which is very interesting. It's called findadeath.com. And uh, this is run by a gentleman who has uh, a tour company in Los Angeles where they will take you around. The company is called Dearly Departed Tours. And there's some interesting background information on a number, uh, quite a few celebrities uh, here on findadeath.com. So we also uh, recommend that one if you're uh, inclined to do a little bit of research on this online. Another interesting place to go that I think is rather unique uh to people of all faiths, but perhaps most notably to those that are of Roman Catholic background, and that would be the 
park not far from the International Airport, mm. and that would be Holy Cross, Yes, where they have the grotto section. And in the grotto section, which is replicated after Lourdes, right, thing, correct. that you'll find Bing Crosby, Sharon Tate, Charles Boyer, Bella Lugosi. Uh, you'll also find Rita Hayworth, to name but a few. And mm. they're all closely aligned uh, with each other. I'm talking about just a few feet away that you can literally walk from one to the other in a matter of seconds. Is that a smaller cemetery, George? It's actually huge. Yeah, it's a big cemetery. It's a huge cemetery. That's one I've never been to. But it's very, very beautiful. You'll find uh, that Rosalind Russell, I believe, uh, she's interred right under the big cross itself. Joe DiMaggio? Mr. DiMaggio is actually interred, I believe, up in San Francisco. At the other Holy Cross. At the the other Holy Cross uh, in Colma, California. There's a chain of them. I have been to uh, uh, Holy Cross, and I have seen Bing Crosby's grave, and I've been to the replica of the grotto that they have at Lourdes. It's very, very beautiful, beautiful. Very beautiful, and it's a beautiful cemetery. And that's why I was saying it gets back to my earlier point that you go there and you have an opportunity to experience things you know, in the Southern California area that you only associate with in far reaches of the globe oh, or, yeah, or exactly. museums, and, and here it is accessible to you. Yeah, getting back, for example, George, we were talking about Forest Lawn, and we were talking about uh, Forest Lawn Hollywood Hills, and that's a, a beautiful cemetery. As we were talking, as you had mentioned earlier, people get married there. There's uh, a replica of the Old North Church. There's uh, uh, the Birth of Liberty Mosaic, which I've seen, very, very beautiful. The Church of the Hills, uh, the Lincoln Terrace. These uh, cemeteries, not only are they a final resting place for not just celebrities, but thousands of individuals, but they also have, as we've mentioned before, they have uh, sites within the cemetery which appeal to you if you want to go there and walk around and catch some fresh air and look at these beautiful things that they've built there. Very much so. If you go, for example, staying in Hollywood Hills for a moment at the Courts of Remembrance, Mm. which is where Liberace is interred, which is where Betty Davis is also interred, you'll have an opportunity to overlook the entire San Fernando Valley. And much like Hollywood Memorial Cemetery, which is by Paramount Studios in the case of Forest Lawn Hollywood Hills, it's right by... Warner Brothers Studios, yes. NBC. You can see all of that right from there. And what's interesting is to see the little mementos that people leave. I notice, for example, that at Betty Davis's site, uh, it never fails to amaze me that you'll always find someone there leaving cigarettes. Because, as you know, Miss <laughs> Davis was uh, a very heavy smoker, and it was part of uh, her signature appeal in all of her movies. And um, there's an interesting epitaph for her, which is, I believe, she did it the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting also, George, that you, that you brought that up. I have seen uh, things left behind at different grave sites. I believe uh, some of them have, and perhaps maybe uh, you might know what this is, uh, groups of, of little rocks, rows of little uh, stones, little pebbles on some grave sites, and in others, uh, I've actually seen food items, which I believe has to do with the, the Day of the Dead, All Souls Day. Very much so. Uh-huh. And I think the, the the pebbles is my understanding that it's a way of saying you were a touchstone in my life. Oh, how interesting. And so that's one, one interesting thing. Touchstone, one of the things yeah. that is so interesting about this is that oftentimes you will be inspired by what you read on the epitaphs, that not all of them have a sense of irony. Some of them have a sense of poignancy. One place that is well off the beaten path, uh, as you both know, I lived up in the Seattle, Washington area for 25 years before moving here to San Diego. Bruce Lee, the famed martial artist, and his son, Brandon Lee, 
uh, are both interred uh, in Lakeview Cemetery overlooking Lake Washington uh, in Seattle. And what's so interesting about that particular gravesite is that Brandon, the son of Bruce Lee, who died in an accident, very tragic, where they were making a movie and I believe they failed to substitute the real bullets for blanks, so he was killed uh, accidentally on the set. He has an epitaph that talks about that there is only a finite number of times in which we can enjoy a beautiful sunset, a conversation with a good friend, listening to a favorite song, watching a favorite film, and it really gives you pause to think that he was saying at such a young age that we must be truly grateful for the time that we have here on earth because we never know the day or the hour. We were commenting that that was, it would be almost something that someone with many years of life experience would say, but yet he had that, that thought. And, he, it's, and it's true. We know neither the time nor the place. Very much so. You know, it's interesting. Um, since I've had the good fortune of living in different parts of the country, before I moved to Seattle, and it was after I had left Los Angeles, I lived on the East Coast for a few years in the state of Delaware. And we lived not far from an area known as Kennett Square. Uh, in in Pennsylvania. It's not far from Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware. And interesting grave uh, sites there at Union Hill Cemetery, you will find Linda Darnell, the stunning beauty from the films of the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s. You might remember her, of course, opposite Tyrone Power in Blood and Sand and The Mark of Zorro. She died very tragically in a fire in 1965 at age 42. And yet, she ends up being buried at Union Hill Cemetery in Kennett Square, not far from a, a friend of ours. And it's interesting, it was because, I guess, that a family member, I guess, was from there, and so that's where she ended up being interred. And at that same site, you'll find, and this is important for baseball fans, particularly those that like the New York Yankees, Herb Pennock, who was the star for the Babe Ruth Lou Gehrig teams, was uh, also interred there as well. George, you know, you've had the advantage of being up there in that area, so you've seen quite a lot more than I have and probably a lot more than Mike has. It's absolutely amazing, uh, the history that is involved. And then, of course, in a reflection of the wonderful program that you did earlier this year on Gettysburg, that's mm -hmm. also a very, very uh, moving and important place to be as well. It is. Good stuff. When we come back from our retromercial, we're going to actually talk a little bit about some of the national cemeteries and places that are open to the public. Uh, we talked about Arlington, there's Gettysburg. When we get back here on Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight on Galaxy Nostalgia Network. Hello, everybody. This is Rod Mitchell for United Airlines, and I'm at the Imperial Theater in New York, where the curtain has just come down on the first act of the exciting Broadway musical Oliver. A great show. And as you can tell from that applause, the audience really loves it. This is just one of the many Broadway hit shows, for the New York theater season is now in full swing. At United, we know that a lot of businessmen who travel with us like to take in a show or two on their trips to New York. So, we've set up a plan whereby all the arrangements can be made for you by United. Not just your jet mainliner reservations and hotel accommodations, but tickets to top Broadway shows as well. If you're heading for New York soon, call United's special New York desk or see your travel agent. United, the only way that you used to be able to fly, and 
Imagine them giving you Broadway tickets. Now <laughs> it's going to cost you $70 to bring your suitcase on a flight. But uh, still the friendly skies. Friendly skies, <laughs> yes. We hope so, anyway. We hope so. For a price. For yes. a price. Oh, all of those extra flight miles, those points. <laughs> uh, you're back here. We just had a retromercial for United Airlines. You are listening to the Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside on Galaxy Nostalgia Network. And the subject on this show today is funerals, cemeteries, death with a capital D. And speaking of death, uh, Smitty's got some names in the, his obituary column, that uh, notables we've lost since our last show. Smitty? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, we have a few uh, obituaries that we wanted to share with everybody. As you know, we like to fill you in whenever celebrities of note have passed away. And we're going to begin on December 1st. Alan Seuss, who brought his flamboyant and over-the-top comic persona to the hit television show Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In in the 1960s and 70s, died of cardiac arrest at his home in West Hollywood. Seuss began his career as a serious actor and in 1953 appeared in director Elia Kazan's Tea and Sympathy on Broadway. He is best remembered, however, for his appearances on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In back in the late 1960s and very early 70s. Mr. Seuss left Laugh-In in 1972 before its final season. Mr. Seuss also was the commercial spokesman for Peter Pan Peanut Butter and appeared in the 1964 Twilight Zone episode titled The Masks. Mr. Seuss was 85. Bill McKinney, the actor who played a crazed mountain man in the film Deliverance and ordered one particularly unfortunate camper to, quote, squeal like a pig, unquote, died December 1st at the age of 80. Mr. McKinney's career included dozens of film credits, including seven Clint Eastwood movies and appearances on television series such as In the Heat of the Night and Walker, Texas Ranger. But Bill McKinney will always be associated with the 1972 film Deliverance, in that film, McKinney follows a group of men on an ill-fated river trip into the Appalachian wilderness where they are hunted down by McKinney's character and a group of sadistic locals. The cause of death was cancer of the esophagus. Jerry Robinson, a prolific comic book artist, comics historian, and an editorial cartoonist was credited with having created The Joker, who was the archenemy of Batman, died December 7th in Staten Island, New York. He was 89. A chance encounter on a tennis court in the Pocono Mountains in 1939 was the catalyst that began Mr. Robinson's career. He was 17 at the time and on vacation before going to college. He was wearing a jacket covered with his own cartoons when a man on a nearby court struck up a conversation. It was Bob Kane, primary creator of a counterpart to Superman, then still in the works. The name of that counterpart? Batman. Mr. Robinson transferred to Columbia University and joined the cartoonists working on the new project and, it is said, began sketching the sinister character of the Joker. In a New York Times interview in 2010, Mr. Robinson said, Villains, I always thought, were more interesting. He said, I think the name came first, the Joker. Then I thought of the playing card, because his parents were bridge players. The Joker made his debut in 1940. Mr. Robinson also created the character of Robin, Batman's sidekick, following suggestions that a new character be created that youngsters could connect with. Mr. Robinson also worked on other syndicated comic strips of the day and did cover illustrations for Playbill magazine. He is the author of more than two dozen books on the history of comics and taught at the School of Visual Arts in New York. Also on December 7th, Harry Morgan, best remembered for playing the tough but fair Colonel Sherman Potter on the comedy series M.A.S.H., and the role of Officer Bill Gannon on Dragnet, as well as supporting actor for six decades in movies and on television, died at his home in Los Angeles. He was 96. 
The cause of death was pneumonia. Mr. Morgan, billed as Henry Morgan for much of his early career, but changed to Harry in the 1950s to avoid confusion with the radio and television humorist Henry Morgan, appeared in more than 100 films since the 1940s. Such movies as The Oxbow Incident from 1943, A Shadowy Villain in The Big Clock in 1948, and A Businessman Who Fears Outlaws in High Noon from 1952. Starting in the early 1950s, Mr. Morgan was a frequent movie sidekick to James Stewart in westerns such as Bend of the River and The Far Country, and in military dramas like The Mountain Road and Strategic Air Command. He played pianist Chummy McGregor in the 1953 musical biography of Glenn Miller titled The Glenn Miller Story, which starred James Stewart in the title role. In 1948, he appeared in All My Sons, based on the Arthur Miller play with Edward G. Robinson and Burt Lancaster. The Big Clock, also from 1948, in which he played a silent, menacing bodyguard to Charles Lawton. Yellow Sky, from 1949, with Gregory Peck and Ann Baxter. And the critically praised 1952 western High Noon with Gary Cooper. Among his other notable films were The Tea House of the August Moon, from 1956, with Marlon Brando and Glenn Ford. And the 1960 film Inherit the Wind, with Spencer Tracy and Frederick March, in which he played a small-town Tennessee judge hearing arguments about evolution in the fictionalized version of the Scopes Monkey Trial. And he played General Ulysses S. Grant in the 1962 Cinerama production of How the West Was Won. On television, Mr. Morgan had been seen regularly since the 1950s. He received an Emmy nomination for his role as the sardonic neighbor of Spring Byington in December Bride, which aired on CBS from 1954 to 59, and this led to a spin-off, Pete and Gladys, which also ran on CBS from 1960 to 62 and featured Cara Williams as Mr. Morgan's scatterbrained wife. He was also a regular on The Richard Boone Show in 1963 and 64, Kentucky Jones, 1964-65, The DA, 1971-72, and Heck Ramsey, 1972-74. But to millions of fans, he was first and foremost the tough-but-fair Colonel Sherman T. Potter, commander of the 4077th Mobile Army Surgical Hospital Unit in Korea. With a wry smile, flat voice, and sharp humor, Mr. Morgan played Colonel Potter from 1975 to 1983 when MASH went off the air. In an interview for the Archive of American Television, Mr. Morgan said of his MASH character, he was firm, he was a good officer, and he had a good sense of humor. I think it's the best part I ever had. His 1980 portrayal of Colonel Potter earned him an Emmy Award and is as Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. During shooting of the final episode, he was asked about his feelings. Sadness and an aching heart, he replied. It was truly the end of an era. And the passing of Harry Morgan is also the end of an era. Mike, George, those are the obituaries for this time. We remember them as well as all the other notables who have passed away. Thank you, Smitty. And we're losing uh, a number of notables on every show, it seems it like. It seems uh, like it. Yes, it, it does. Just, uh, that's, we're a baby boomer show, and a lot, of these, uh, a lot of these notables we grew up watching or following and... It's interesting how uh, time takes its toll on people, and every episode we have a few more. Yeah, we do. Uh, we had what, well, probably three, four dozen this year in 2011. I think so, total, yeah. yeah. But anyway, very good work, Smitty. We're you. back with uh, Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside, and we're here with our good friend George Halalakis, and we're talking about celebrity cemeteries and celebrities at death and celebrities at life. We're going to talk a little more about some of the cemeteries. Uh, 
not necessarily celebrities. They're all celebrities in our hearts and minds. Our our fighting forces, our fighting men who have who have lost their lives, fighting men and women over the years. But there are a number of national cemeteries we're going to talk about briefly. And I, in the course of this one-hour show, I actually, I'm a little freaked out. I went over to eBay during the break, and I just typed in the search word funeral. And if any of you listeners out there just want to get totally freaked out, or what would freak me out is if you weren't freaked out when you saw the results that came back on this page, but there's all kinds of stuff related to the world of collecting cemetery and funeral-related uh, memorabilia. Just, uh, I guess it's it's more popular than I thought. But George, uh, let's let's resume where we left off. Uh, we can talk about some of the, the bigger uh, memorial parks, and we talked about some of the scenery, some of the other things you can do besides visit uh, dearly departed people. Where well, have you been, George? Have you you've been around the country? So tell us uh, tell us some of the better spots. Well, of course, uh, you mentioned, and, I, and and it's so appropriate that there are a number of national memorial cemeteries in which we uh, can have an opportunity to honor those who have given their lives in defense of our great nation. The one that, for me personally, has had the most meaning uh, is the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific. In Hawaii, my wife and I were privileged to, uh, as part of our routine, I guess living in Seattle where it rains so much of the year, we would, uh, for 25 years in a row, we went to Hawaii for one month out of the year. And one of the most interesting things was to visit the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific, where people such as Ernie Pyle, uh, also uh, Mr. Onizuka, who was part of the Space Shuttle Challenger, uh, among many, are interred. And when you're there, you find a a beautiful statue with quotes from Abraham Lincoln, who was writing to a a mother who had lost three sons in the Civil War. And then you continue on and you can see actual murals that map out all of the campaigns of not only World War II, but Korea, which has been known as the Forgotten War, as well as uh, the Vietnam War. And now, of course, uh, you're finding more with uh, the the more recent conflicts in the Middle East. So the National Memorial Cemetery at the Pacific, also it's known as the Punch Bowl in Honolulu, Hawaii, is a great place to go. Uh, Back to the West Coast for a moment. If you go to the presidential libraries of um, Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan, you will find that they are interred there. Uh, And, of course, you mentioned Arlington National Cemetery, where so many presidential and military figures are uh, interred. And, of course, the subjects of a, of a show that we did together not long ago, uh, the Apollo 1 astronauts, yes. Yes. Edward mm. White and Roger Chaffee, they're interred right next to each other. Oh. And if you also go, for example, to San Antonio, Texas, where my mother hails from, you will find uh, the cenotaph there at the Alamo mm-hmm. commemorating the sites where... Mm. 180 brave Texans fought to the last man, defending their honor, including Davy Crockett, Jim Bowie, William Travis. All of this uh, is available. If you uh, travel uh, the country, you will find uh, a good many places, near and far. And Uh, this is a good, uh, this show is basically, we're not talking about the macabre. No, not at all. We're talking about the history and the charm. We are an American pop culture show, primarily talking to baby boomers, but these are parts of history. This was a time when people, uh, they respected the people who had, not that they don't now, but it was a a place where you could go, you could take a picnic lunch, you could spend the afternoon, you could actually take photos. 
and and it almost became a family outing. I remember in the '60s we would spend a Sunday afternoon on uh, probably Memorial Day weekend, yes. and oh, we yes. would visit some uncles and some other people that had been uh, had been deceased and uh, long gone. But that that was our tribute. That was paying honor to the people that we knew and loved that it, were no longer with it us. It was. It was. It was almost you were you were paying reverence. You were devoting time to visiting with those who had passed away. Yes. Beforehand, and it was, uh, I think, uh, really a very beautiful tribute that we could give. One of the things that's so interesting to me that stays from my childhood is that my mother, uh, when we would in the summer times go to visit her family in Texas, that we would go to the Alamo. And one of the things that struck me was the solemnity of the place. That there were signs that very specifically said, "Gentlemen, remove your hats." Yes. Yes. Children, keep your voices down and speak in hushed tones. This is hallowed ground. Of course, you have to remember that Texas was a nation for nine years before it became part of the United States. And so part of that culture remains there. And you see that when you visit these memorial sites. George, you had mentioned Arlington. I've been to Arlington. Certainly, uh, for me, one of the most notable individuals who is resting there, President John F. Kennedy, uh, has a very, if you stand at his at his gravesite, a very beautiful view if you turn and face the opposite direction of the city of Washington. Beautiful. You see the Lincoln Memorial and uh, sort of very, very moving. It makes you think, it makes you reflect. And then there's the eternal flame. And, and the mm-hmm. eternal flame, of course, that's there. When uh, you talk about hallowed ground, I think of Gettysburg. Very much so. Uh, I've been there. I've had the, the privilege of being there also. And you just feel, you, you almost seem to feel the spirit of uh, those who, who died there, that that's the final resting place for so many. And even if you're fortunate enough to travel around the world, uh, and Mike and I share this, but as part of our Greek heritage, I visited the site of Thermopylae, which was, of course, immortalized in the film 300 mm-hmm. just a few years ago where Leonidas and his band of brave Spartans fought to the last man. And, uh, of course, that has now been brought up in, in, in popular websites as well uh, because it's, it's been re- so renowned in film. But that is also treated as sacred ground. When you go there to the site where the Spartans gave their lives, there is a vigil light and there's also a, 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 a wreath mm-hmm. that is there placed at all times. I think it's uh, it's important to remember that uh, again, as Mike had said earlier, that this is uh, sort of a way of paying a uh, way of paying tribute, a way of paying reverence, a way of remembering. When you said about President Kennedy, yes. it brings to mind a memory I have that uh, that was recounted in Bill Bennett's book, The History of America, and I believe it was in Volume Two. He noted that when Neil Armstrong landed upon the moon, that I believe a Green Beret soldier placed a wreath and I think his hat and it said, Mr. President, the eagle has landed. And of course, it's beautiful because it was under Kennedy's watch that not only got the uh, motivation to go to the moon, but also the creation of the Green Beret. Absolutely. That is amazing. It's amazing. And you know what? I cannot believe we're almost at the end of this show. Uh, This hour has just flown by. Well, it was a good show. And we, we do talk... We do talk to everything that involves the, the American pop culture, especially that of the baby boomer. And this is an important part of any baby boomer growing up. You, yes. you would lose a grandfather, an aunt, an uncle, um, in some cases a sibling, a mother and father. And this was this was part of what we call the, the memory tape of your life. Right. And uh, we talked about celebrities. We talked about military. We even talked about our, our own families. But... Um, 
we're constantly on the lookout for new story ideas and actually an emailer brought this idea in about a year ago and we didn't develop it till we had the pleasure of getting George here on board so if you do have an idea something you'd like to hear about on a future show of Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside by all means email us uh, Smitty checks the email all the time and he's always checking for ideas and we would love to hear from you and unfortunately, this is about all we can do now. We've gone an hour, which seems to fly it by, doesn't it, by. guys? It it's great, by. but it's good stuff, and we do hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoy delivering it to you. Anyway, um, on behalf of my cohorts here, this is Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight, the podcast. We are available on web at galaxymoonbeamnightsight.com. You can email us anytime, anyplace, from anywhere you have an internet connection at galaxymoonbeamnightsight at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash galaxymoonbeamnightsight. I'm Mike. I'm Smitty. And I'm George. And we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Adios. This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network.